0: Hi, this is Kristen Regal, And
1: this is Paul Rock.
0: And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, Every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with.
1: We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. So this morning uh, for our sermon, our, our conversation here, we are talking about heat. Uh, and and uh, to start off, um, I'm going to um, to share with you just a, a story about how heat uh, was detected in our house in kind of an interesting way. And so um, I've got real quick here, a picture of my, my dad. Uh, my dad, as a young guy, um, grew up in uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, there he is. Uh, my dad's in the middle there. That's him and his brother pulling a load of who knows uh, looks like telephone poles one room schoolhouse uh, they did not have an easy time uh, getting to the doctor all the time but it was fortunate because my dad's uh, mom was was a nurse and so my dad picked up um, little things from her kind of homeopathic ways to to deal with illness um, throughout his childhood, and he brought those in, kind of into our home. And so, for example, one of the things that we would do uh, is that my my brother or my sister or I um, were not feeling well. Uh, we had a a fever or something. My dad, who who is a great guy, but but not super um, affectionate in terms of of, of, of kissing. Uh, this was one of the times when we would get a kiss from my dad, and and you can take that slide down. Um, but he would once we had a thought we had a fever. We would go over to my dad. He'd call us over and he would just gently kiss us on our foreheads. Um, and with that kiss, I mean, the guy was, for some reason, somehow he was better than a, than a thermometer because he could say, no, you're not, you're fine. You know, you're, um, you're, you're faking it and get, get back to work or go out and play or whatever. Or he could say, yeah, you know what? You're a little bit warm. Um, or he would say, gosh, you're you're hot. Your your body is fighting something. And we just kind of one one kiss by paying attention to us, just one kiss on the forehead, my dad could kind of let us know what was going on. And then we would move move forward if, if we were running a fever, if we were hot, um, we would then you know start to take some medication or lie down, rest, do whatever needed to be done to deal with the um with the other in, the infection that was happening in our in our body. So um this morning, as I said, as as part of this Lenten season, we are talking about. Heat and and it made me think about um, just a very basic thing that we take for granted and that is our our inner heat. Um, it, it's it's amazing to think uh, how our internal stability is maintained by our body in order for our nervous system our heart, our senses, our brain to work together in order for all of those remarkable things to take place day in and day out, whether we're conscious or not, we need a very uh, stable internal condition. And one example of that is that our body uh, maintains a very um, static um, inner temperature. And, And that temperature, whether it's cold outside or it's hot outside is, let's see, I'll give you a second if you remember what our inner temperature is normal, um, is 98.6, right? And if if we elevate that 98.6, our internal temperature, which stays just uh, quite consistent, um, if we elevate that just less than two degrees, which is really interesting, only two degrees from 98.6 to 100.6, then a doctor would say to you or a, or a, a healthcare person would say, you've got a fever and that's not good. And you don't want to stay at that elevated heat, just that small increment of increase. And our body starts to set off warnings because we don't want to stay at that, at that level. If, if, if we're fighting something like that, um, and and our internal heat kind of goes up our, our, our blood temperature, um, if it stays high our, our heart then begins to, to pump blood to our extremities and so that's why we get a little bit flush our, our brain sends uh, sweat to the to the outside of our bodies to try to cool us down um, all of this stuff starts to kick into place to keep us at a regular at a good temperature and 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 if we don't do that if we can't get back to that 98.6 it starts to put a, a strain uh, on our hearts because they're they're working hard and we can start to feel dehydrated obviously and and then you know if that stays for a while you can start to do pretty serious damage to to nerve endings and because our brain is, is filled with nerves you can actually do do brain damage if that uh, elevated temperature stays really again just for a just a couple of degrees higher than usual so we. Um, sadly, are quite aware of this as a society and as individuals today. We need to pay attention to our bodies. We need to pay attention to our temperature and our our fever. Um, And so this morning's scripture that I want to read for us uh, comes from Matthew chapter 8. And it is Jesus, a story of Jesus paying attention to someone's fever, um, so he picks up the signs of someone, uh, someone he knew probably, um, uh, and that was, uh, his friend Peter's mother-in-law. So I'm going to be reading here. You can read with me on the screen. Matthew eight, starting in verse 14. So when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and she began to wait on him. When evening came, Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So um, before you take that down, I just want to point out a couple of things. One is that if you see Jesus comes into Peter's house, and, and we know this, but um, sadly, women uh, were not necessarily, if, if they were if they were seen, they weren't. Necessarily to be heard, especially if Jesus was there to be teaching. But Jesus um, obviously recognizes everybody in the room and and uh, in particular notices a woman uh, who is lying down and recognizes it as Peter's mother-in-law. Um, and somehow he picked up, whether it was through words that were spoken, something that he saw, something somehow that he sensed she had a fever and he went over to her, made time to actually touch her, which maybe could have been a, a dangerous thing, maybe made himself impure in the process, depending on what she was struggling with. And he healed her. And then she got up and she began to, to wait on them. It's it's kind of remarkable that Jesus would notice that, take that time, um, and, and that she would then, as a response to his healing, get up and, and start to care for them. So uh, during this Lenten season, uh, we are talking about uh, God's creation, and we're talking about our role in it as um, as people who were created, as the as the scripture says, people who were um, created by God out of the mud, right in the garden in the beginning, and uh, and that we will one day become dust and and uh, rejoin the earth. So these. Mud creatures that we've been made in this Lenten season. We're talking about how we interact with the creation that we come from. We've been talking about uh, water. Kristen talked about water and baptism. We talked about breath and wind. And then last week, uh, I hope you were able to join us. If not, you can you can watch a taped copy of it. But um, Dee Cooper gave a, a great sermon. Brought her dog, and actually you know, Alex Triester brought his dog as well. But and talked about animals and the things that we can learn from animals. What God can teach us through our uh, our friends on earth. Um, So today, as I said, we're talking about heat and um, and all of us, of course, our our internal bodies, our our, our planet, uh, the the plants that cover the earth, the water, all of it gets its heat and energy from our uh, our local star, which we have called the sun ever since we have been on this planet. Um, we have been obsessed with the sun for good reason. We have uh, we've marked it, we've watched it, we've written songs about it, we've actually worshipped it um, as as humans. Uh, the 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 psalm that um, that Kristen read in the very beginning as our call to worship was was Psalm 19, and I want to read just a little bit of that again to you because in it uh, David uh, personifies the sun. Uh, as a bridegroom, right? Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky proclaims God's handiwork. God has made a tent in heaven for the sun who is like a groom coming out of his honeymoon suite, thrilling to run his course. It rises at one end of the sky and its circuit is complete at the other and nothing escapes its heat. That was the understanding of the sun in those biblical times. And and really, as, as we've talked about this before, up until about 600 years ago, uh, this ancient uh, pre-scientific understanding of the world was one that, that most humans shared, and it certainly was ones that the biblical writers shared. And I've shared with this you this with you before, but here's a here's a quick image of what that um, of what that looked like. So, um, as you can see, you you've got the the Earth. Um, it's flat because it looks flat right it's observable and, and all of this uh, understanding came from what people could observe what was what was kind of passed down from generation to generation but also from uh, religious writings which weren't necessarily scientific um, but but dealing with the, the knowledge that they had you've got the heavens above uh, you've got an ocean above the heavens an ocean to the side and, and then if you if you look you can see at the top there's the little jagged nooks in in the heaven that was called the firmament and it was kind of like a big glass Globe, and when God wanted to send rain, God opened up those windows, and rain came. And you can see the stars up in the firmament there, and you can see the sun and the moon uh, that ran their course. And so that was that was the understanding. And within that little biosphere uh, that humans uh, shared with uh, with the plants and the animals, um, we made our way, and we and we lived, and we died, and we had our being. We existed in that balanced relational space. Um, and it was it was tenuous, and and, and we knew that it would call for responsibility and and uh, and reconciliation and and uh, and collaboration between the animals and the people in the sky and the wind and the stars and the sun. Um, and we also knew that humans, um, needed to allow the land. we had to take care of the land. and We had to allow the land to rest just like we had to rest ourselves. And so one other quick scripture I want to share with you, just as you know, that, that we, God says, Hey, you know, you as humans, you should rest every, every seven days. So in Leviticus uh, 25, God said the the land, uh, also has to rest every day. And so I want to take a look at that passage real quick. So Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 25, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, once you enter the land that I'm giving you, right? So this is right before they come into the promised land as a people um, wandering through the deserts. So he said, the land must celebrate a Sabbath rest to the Lord. You will plant your fields for six years. You'll prune your vineyards and.'" The crops for six years, but in the seventh year, the land will have a special Sabbath rest, the Sabbath rest to the Lord. And and so the land even had to rest and and the people knew that and they practiced that, right? They would allow for a fallow year every seven years. Um, We know that if we don't take time for rest, our own bodies do not function well, right? And and, and we can get sick. Um, You can take that slide down. Uh, and, And this is how Jesus found Peter's mom that day, right? When he went into Peter's house, he noticed that she was lying down and, um, and she wasn't well, uh, she had a fever. And so he took the time to go over her, to touch her and to heal her, uh, before he did anything else. And then she got up and, uh, and cared for them. So here's the thing. Our earth, like us, like the plants, right? Needs heat and energy from the sun, but just like us, the Earth is very sensitive. It's, it's particular, just like our bodies are. And what the Earth has been telling us, um, in pretty uncertain terms and pretty certain terms, um, is that uh, for the last number of years, it's um, it's fighting a fever. It's got a fever, right? It, it's been it's, its temperature has been elevated, and and it's not sustainable. And, and and you know, and some people would say, "Gosh, you know, it's only a, only a couple of degrees. What's the big deal?" But But the fact of the matter is just like our bodies um, this this static temperature um, over the course of hundreds and thousands of years has allowed for life. uh, To grow uh, and has allowed for people to flourish plants um, and and our earth has has got a fever earth is a little bit sick and it's been telling us that for a while and and. um, and so many of you uh, and many of us have been involved in trying to do something about that. And, and so I want to talk a little more particularly about that and share one person's story. And that person is um, is Aaron Itzak. I've invited him in to share during this sermon time. Uh, Aaron grew up good, good Catholic kid in, in Illinois and, and uh, grew up as an educator and now works at Cerner. And actually at Cerner, he uh, is on the Cerner Green Team, which he helped kind of really launch and working with their reducing their carbon footprint and working with that massive company to become uh, greener he's also a part of the casey um, green business network and so aaron i want to invite you in and and welcome you and thanks for sharing a little bit about your story and uh, your growth as a person trying to care for this this hot earth of ours
2: thank you paul and good morning everybody happy sunday uh Before I get started, I want to give you a little background into my journey, where it's all kind of started. That's me. When I was a kid, uh, I've always, at least as far as I've known, as long as I've known, I've been passionate about the environment. When I was a kid, I would get angry when trees were needlessly cut down or when people would litter, which prompted me in high school. There it is. Uh, to be a part of the environmental club, and then later, when I was the dean of students at two elementary schools, I helped expand their recycling program. The environment has been a a spiritual kind of experience for me. Whether I go for a walk in the woods or whether I work in my yard, it it makes it gives me this feeling that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And there's I can't help but feeling connected to other things around me. Hey, and hey, so, Aaron, yeah.
1: I'm just wondering, it, it, while you're quarantined, have you and Jimmy um, done any, uh, you know, gourd making, like the thing you've got in your hand there? Is that, have you guys done any kind of?
2: <laughs> no, that thing has long since passed. And okay. we, have, we haven't done anything uh, crazy, but we should. We talked about actually doing some creative stuff, needing okay. to active, okay. activate that creative outlet. So you never know. Right. Yeah. We need to grow some gourds, though. <laughs> we're a little bit behind there. <laughs> but spring is starting and gardening is happening. Our neighbors are starting. So we're composting. We're starting the building blocks for that process. Yeah. So a couple months, you never know. All right. uh, with, with that spiritual journey, um, a lot of you know that last year I got a tattoo and part of the significance for that too for me has been that spiritual journey there's a lot of other meaning behind that tattoo so feel free to ask me next time you see me or online at some point and if you want to know what extra meaning is behind that too i am happy to share as paul had mentioned earlier i lead the Green team at Cerner, which we call the Eco Warriors. That is our logo there on the screen, and it really all started from me just asking a question of where do I recycle batteries, and. since then, we, our group over the past year has grown from 24 to 720 members. I meet with executives on a regular basis and we have executive support. And the reason I share all that is I didn't think I could make a difference. And you might be thinking the same thing as well, but I want you to know that you can. All you have to do is ask a question and be willing to sit and be a part of the answer. So That's some great. of the things, oh, thank you. Some of the things that are group does, we share sustainable stores. New things pop up all the time, and so we let people know what sustainable stores are in the area to shop there, especially now more than ever, to keep them in business. We also share ideas on how to repurpose and reuse things. We organize carpooling we collect and recycle batteries and prescription bottles and we also offer either donated or plates from Goodwills we keep them uh, in our desk as an alternative for people to use instead of the styrofoam plates in the break room. and. As Paul mentioned earlier, um, I'm a part of the Green Business Network, which is an, a local nonprofit here in Kansas City. And it's an amazing resource. Um, they've helped me kind of start this. They have they help businesses start this process with, whether it's audits or resources. And so if you or your school, your business, are looking at how do I start this, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can help. Um, and once you're even a member like myself, like we have meetings, we share ideas, um, other people in businesses, like how did you overcome these obstacles and we tour facilities and get ideas. It's an amazing resource. I can't speak highly or more highly about them. Um. So on uh, Jimmy is actually going to chat a, a resource document. This The Green Business Network is listed there, and I'm gonna reference this resource, there's a lot of R's there, uh, throughout this presentation. The contact information for the Green Business Network is listed under Bridging the Gap. That's the overarching organization. The Green Business Network is just one element or one branch of it. So in case you're looking at that sheet and you're wondering how do I contact the Green Business Network, Um, look for Bridging the Gap. So just wanted to throw that out there. Great. A lot of people ask why. Because while I've been passionate about this my entire life, or like I said, at least as long as I can remember, my activism has really only kind of skyrocketed over the last couple of years. So a lot of people ask, well, what's, what's the difference? What's the change? And I have to say, it is this guy. This is Jimmy, my my husband, Um, today actually marks five years exactly from the first time we met. That's actually a picture from our first date. Wow, congratulations. Thank you, I appreciate it. It's gone by so fast, I can't believe it's been five years. Uh, And we're in the adoption process now and we want to have a family. That's a picture of um, my or our nephew and niece, Emerson and Mason. They are watching actually right now from Indianapolis as we speak. We want to have a family, and science shows that this is that we have about 10 years or so before irreparable damage with climate change takes its toll. And our kids, we're going to hand this to them. They're not going to have a say in it. This might be the first generation that has it worse off than us. And so when our kids ask us, they go, Dad, when you had a chance to do something, what did you do? I want to have an answer that I'm proud of, and that's kind of fueled me getting involved more at work and my community and in my own backyard.
1: Good for you. That's Thank fantastic. You. So, Aaron, if if we wanted to um, to to do something, uh, and we don't necessarily have to do exactly what you've done, but what what basic kind of tips would you give to folks? What 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 can
2: you do about this whole process? This whole problem? Based on my research, I think everything. Kind of boils down to two buckets, and the first bucket is. I'm gonna actually jump ahead here. Oh yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 you want me to go back? What was that? What was that last image? I'm sorry. Oh sure. So actually, our own Alex Triester shared this uh, heat map with me. Um, this is there is a part of many cities in this article, but this is LA, and it's a satellite image over LA. Uh, taking readings of pollution, particularly nitrogen and carbon dioxide. And the image on the left is Los Angeles a year ago in March. Wow. The one on the right is this March. And obviously there's a difference because of everything that's going on with with this quarantine. And while this is a benefit of a horrible situation, it is going to be temporary. It's not going to last forever. So like you had mentioned, which I think is a great comparison to our fever and the earth's fever, are we paying attention to the signs um, now to do something after this is all better?
1: Because clearly this shows that with some changes, obviously this is a catastrophic change and everyone's staying home. This isn't something like you said, that's sustainable, but clearly our actions or lack of action, uh, does have an, a pretty quick um, uh, impact on, on the, on the earth. And, and so we, we can, we do have yes. you know, an ability to affect change.
2: Yeah, we do. And I have a couple, ideas if you're looking, if you're asking that question yourself, like, well, what, what can I do? You feel like a, a small wheel in this big operation. Um, like I said, there's two buckets. One bucket as a whole is individually. What can you and your family do? And so I have two ideas within this bucket. And the first is plant a tree. One mature tree produces enough oxygen to support two adults. We have a symbiotic relationship with trees, as that graphic shows. They produce oxygen, which we breathe in, we breathe out carbon dioxide which they breathe in. So it's a nice circle. However, we have way more carbon dioxide out there than the tree there are trees to handle. And so produce or planting more trees um, will definitely help. It won't solve everything, but it will definitely help. That symbol uh, between the one and that image that is bridging the gap, the, the resource that I mentioned earlier, Yeah. they're always We're, looking for volunteers. So if you don't, if you live in an apartment or you don't have room to plant trees in your own yard, once the quarantine's all done, um, feel free to reach out to them. They're always looking for volunteers. They plant free trees in certain zip codes here in Kansas City. So reach great. out to them for, for that resource. The other idea that I have for what you and your family can do is eat less meat. One hamburger, what it takes to produce one hamburger from start to finish, just the fossil fuels are enough to fuel a car to go 20 miles. That's just the fossil fuels, let alone the land, the water, the other resources that it takes. And that's just one hamburger. So if you look at your meals, a week, especially right now, grocery shopping, this could help save money. uh, Try to dial back on one meat meal a week. You don't have to go vegan. If you do, great. But if you're like, I'm not ready to make that type of commitment. I really like my meat. I am one of those people. Just try to eat less. That makes a big difference and affects supply and demand. That's Um, great. Yeah. Well, thank you. The other bucket, like I mentioned, there are two buckets. That was the individual. Like if we all planted trees and we all ate less meat, that would help greatly. But it's not going to be the type of scale change that we need to make the big difference. We need to really move that needle in these ten years. So, for example, like if I wanted to reduce the amount of plastic, but plastic is the only thing that I can buy in the store, that's a problem. That's a systemic, a system change we need. Right. And so. One of, in this bucket, the systemic changes, are shop at sustainable stores. In that resource list that was chatted early, there's a list of brick and mortar places that you can go in, um, as well as some online stores here locally that, that you can shop at and support. Especially now, you want to keep them in business. The more people go to them, the more they will expand in their offerings. And the more other current stores, if they see like, like, wow, people really want to buy sustainable things, they want your money, they're going to offer those products. You can even reach out to your current stores and say, hey, wh- where where's the items that have sustainable packaging? The more that you put out there, the more they're going to, like I said, supply. They want your money. You necessary. have the power here. Vote with supply. your wallet. Yeah. And the, this last one is, in my opinion, the the biggest one. It's policies and priorities. Nothing is going to change. Um, for example, recycling. What you can recycle in Chicago when I live there, you can't necessarily recycle here in Kansas City. There are no guidelines. Um, some places don't even offer recycling. There's no national standard. Um, we need to reach out to our representatives, our political leaders, who are supposed to represent our views, and say, "Please make this a priority." In that resource list, there is a sample letter that I found online. I did my own tweaking to it. Feel free to use it and tweak it yourself. Maybe during this quarantine, quarantine, if you need something to do, have a family writing campaign. In that letter 2 there at the top there's a link to look up who your reps are and it provides their contact information so you can email them directly i try to make that's it as easy great as resource. possible resource thank you hey you're welcome so please write them and also then research we need elected official, officials that will make the environment a priority so as future elections happen make sure you know who is in line with that that's the biggest way that we're going to make change happen
1: Great, great, and Aaron, where's
2: that list of resources again? How how can people find that? Uh, It is on, so Jimmy chatted it earlier, and it might be buried in the thread. So in case you can't find it, it is also on Second's website, and it will be there for at least a while. I don't know how long it'll be on there, but at least it is there, so you can check it out at any time. If for whatever reason you can't find it, or you have questions about it, or anything that I've presented today, you can use my email address there, and you can ask me questions. Also, feel free to email me ideas. We learn best from each other. I don't know it all. I'm still learning myself. So if you have cool ideas, please share them with me. I'm Great. very, very open to that. Um, and that's a picture of that resource list up on the screen as well. Great. Thank you. Great. Any concluding words? Well, I like I said earlier, this is a very... It's been a very spiritual journey for me, but like anything, nobody likes to go at it by themselves. So I invite you to go on this this spiritual journey with me um, and let's see what we can do.
1: All right. Great. Thank you, Aaron, for you listening, for paying attention and doing, doing all that you've done in, in just a minute. I want to, I'll share a couple closing thoughts, but, um, in, in, as soon as we're done with this sermon, I'm going to invite Micah to, to come back on. I actually skipped a hymn. He was going to lead us in a little bit earlier, how great thou art. Uh, and then Kristen will follow that with a prayer, but, um, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, we can get, um, we can get caught up sometimes in this conversation about what, what caused what, or who's responsible for what. And, and that's a, that's a it's a fine conversation to have, but the fact of the matter is as, as followers of Christ, our, our call, our responsibility is to recognize those things that we are responsible for. And if they are sick, if they're crying out to respond uh, with a healing touch. And so I would encourage all of us just to, to listen the same way you would listen to a child if they had a fever, the same way you'd pay attention to an animal if they were, if they were injured, to pay attention to our earth and to, to pray about ways that we can be a part of, of the healing and the caring for this wonderful creation that God has given us so we can hopefully help this fever to, to slowly come down uh, for the good of us and for our planet. So as we think about this and what we can do, I would invite uh, Micah to, to come on and, and, and lead us in a, in a hymn. And, um, and as we do that, I would also invite you to take just a minute uh, during this time to, um, while you're already online, maybe you've got your device open in front of you or just make a note. I would encourage you just to reach out to somebody else and just give give a word of, of encouragement. Whether uh, you're just saying hi to somebody or you're you're passing the peace with each other, but let's respond to uh, to Aaron's encouraging words and our scripture today by by reaching out to each other, um, connecting with each other, and, and thinking about cont- cont- contemplating ways that we can connect with the earth and, and be better uh, cohabitants with this wonderful creation of ours. So, thanks, thanks again, Aaron. Thanks, everybody. All right, Aaron, are
2: you still there? I am still here. All right. Stuck with me. <laughs> Great. And is there somebody sitting next to you there? There is. Mm-hmm. A hey, little James. better angle there for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and Kristen, you're with us, and I don't know who else is going to join in this conversation. Let's do that. Um, we wanted to uh, just give a little bit more time to hear um, uh, some of the stories and, and, um, I guess uh, conversations, agreements, disagreements when it comes to this issue of global warming and what you've run into, Aaron, particularly. Um, and I guess I'll start off with with this. And and um, I don't, you don't have the answer to this, uh, but <laughs> as not. a as a person who has advocated for um, for the environment and and for uh, doing something about the fever that our that our planet has, um, inevitably you, you do run into um, conversations or disagreements with folks about. Um, to what extent we can even um, make a difference, or to what extent we should even feel responsible for making a difference—an um, uh, understanding of, of maybe the world and creation and and warming that is that is different than um, than yours—and uh, so how have you how have you dealt with that? How have you experienced that? And and how how do you how do you respond in a way that's that's loving um, and, and doesn't. Um, you know doesn't cause folks to get defensive which might be impossible so i'm just curious how you how you've handled that
2: i I've, I've had both ends of the spectrum there um i've learned i'm a person i like facts um that's not everybody's uh, um approach or how they they work with things and so one in my journey i've learned a lot i've stumbled a lot along my way um leslie Barland or Yes, I hope I said pronounce her last name correctly. She is my contact at the Green Business Network. And early in this process, when I was asking her a lot of questions, and she was helping me and preparing me with with resources, one of the things that she said, and it sticks out, and it's my reminder to myself, um, as well as everybody else, is that everybody is on their own unique journey. Nobody is perfect, and to be kind to yourself and give yourself grace um, because you might be getting better in one area but there's an area over here regarding the environment that you still might not be doing well and it's not an all or nothing you can't like well you either have to do everything pro environment or it's nothing Um, it's a journey and everybody is on their own
1: yeah yeah, it's it it can be a divisive thing, which is kind of strange actually. Because um, and, and Jimmy, I'm going to throw this to you. The, the interesting thing when I was growing up, and um, and even in the more I would say traditional or conservative churches, the idea of being responsible for creation uh, and being good to nature and to in uh, that symbiotic relationship was something that was kind of part of our faith and our tradition. So it's kind of strange to see today how some of the, the how the the environment's been weaponized, and, and caring for the environment and the and the warming of the of the of the earth has become a partisan thing. Um, yeah. And I know uh, Jimmy, you grew up in a in a in a pretty um, religious family, pastor's kid. Um, but even in a more conservative tradition, that was um, I mean, caring for the earth was something that was part of your faith, right? Where where did you start to see that shift take place in in the narrative, in the faith narrative?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that I can pinpoint a specific time. Um, But I, I remember it being deeply ingrained in us to care for nature. Um, My parents, my mom in particular, um, was very committed to the environment and taking care of the earth and everything from recycling to not littering to um, using natural remedies. Um, She was a pharmacist. She is a pharmacist by trade, um, but really tried to gravitate a lot more to how does the earth to kind of help our bodies and and always tried to experiment with with ways to do that um, and it was always connected deeply to this biblical mandate to steward the earth it was it, the earth was considered our responsibility and so it wasn't an unusual thing for us to talk about how to care for the earth um, and i don't know what happened i have some theories and i have some probably historical data some shifts um, what i fear and this is just my personal speculation is that it's gotten lumped in with the issues become the messenger, not the issue hmm. and because people that tend to be more um, earth conscious uh, tend to also be more about um integration and trying to find ways for us to care for the poor and for us to welcome the immigrants and um, even issues on women's rights, all this stuff, because it all gets locked together, connected to all of these things, all of a sudden, it's been become suspect. Yeah. And the, the intentions of the people that advocate for it have come into question, because there's other areas that are, they're jeopardizing. And for me, it's really sad, um, because I think it's actually one of the things that easily could unite all of us yeah there's there's nothing partisan about um minimizing our impact on the world there's nothing partisan about um being responsible being good boy scouts and girl scouts and and leaving things better than we found it right right simply just don't understand why we can't unify around this issue i really i just really wish we could
1: yeah you know one of the things that i think is that i've realized is the um um, and I, and again i think this is a false division but the the thinking of the world and the world's resources as things that we are to use to kind of to further um, humanity's uh, progress and and um you know feeding and caring for and and clothing the the planet that we i mean the humans on the planet that we can use the resources of the of the planet to do that and and i think um, again, uh, some of the, some of the, I'm hoping next week we can have a conversation with, with, um, some farmers, some large scale farmers, uh, and people in industry who have understood ways to, to be, to do a both and that we can do farming in a way that's sustainable. We, we can, uh, you know, do things at Cerner, um, you know, in these large corporations that also uh, care for the earth or plant trees. It doesn't have to be a, a one or the other. And I think we might start to see the leadership, uh, from the secular, um, society and, and business leaders and farmers who work closely with the earth I, i'd like to think that there's going to be some hope there to bridge some gaps but it's um you know part of it i think is people some some uh more some christians feeling like humans are taking the blame for something they shouldn't but also an understanding of the world is something ours uh, to, to to use rather than something um that we are to, to care for and I, and I think we can both use it and care for it because um the, the cool thing with the scripture that i read earlier was that jesus Recognized Peter's mom, um, and I realize this is just a metaphor, but healed her and then what she did is she got up and she started caring for them and, and I think for us to recognize this earth has been caring for us and supplying our needs and feeding us for so many millennia right uh, that, that if we if we want that to continue, we need to just do our part, and we need to we need to care. Um, so, anyways, um, I, I wanted to sh- have you share um, also, Aaron, something you shared with me earlier, which is one of the things that I think all of us try to do at a personal level is to uh, recycle. Um, like you said earlier, the, the thing that's kind of a bummer about that is that different localities and different states have different rules about recycling and all that kind of stuff and so it can it can be a little bit confusing and what you can or can't so anyways I wanted to just see if you could leave us with a, a real practical thing we could do or what we shouldn't be doing when it comes to recycling.
2: Wow, there, there is a lot that can be done there. Um, i trying to rack my brain on um, probably the biggest um, you had mentioned earlier in the, in this conversation that trying to get businesses um, to be more sustainable in their practices, or even countries. There's a lot of misconception out there that sustainability is going to have extra costs, and some things do, like solar panels and things like that. Overall, though, to live a sustainable lifestyle is to reduce because you're reusing things more often. You're not buying as much. So from a business standpoint, now this is a general statement, if you have sustainable practices, you're reducing costs. You're going to save. So there is, it's a good sound business model to do, um, which is usually they've been at opposite ends of the spectrum there. Um, again, general statement, I know there's a lot of factors that go into that. Right. But the same can apply to to our lives as well. The biggest thing to do because recycling, most of our facilities here aren't equipped for the volume of recycling that we send. We recycle now more and produce more waste than we did 10 years ago. And we built facilities with the assumption that most of our recycling was gonna be sent overseas. They're not so accepting other people, it. Anymore. Other countries were buying, were buying our waste, yeah. buying our recycling. And now they've put a ban on that. And so all of a sudden, all our facilities here are overwhelmed with the amount of recycling. And so most of it is going into landfills or being incinerated, which is toxic for the air we breathe. So the best thing that you can do is reduce what you buy. So the next time, like for one, I love cottage cheese. Cottage cheese only comes in a recyclable plastic tub. Yeah, it's been hard, but I've been eating a lot less of it because I don't, I'm not guaranteed that that recyclable tub is actually getting recycled. So I'm not hmm. eating it as much hmm. because that, that tub to me doesn't, it's not as much as I like it. The five minutes that I'm enjoying it doesn't mean the years that it's going to be sitting in a landfill. And so you have to make choices in reducing, reduce the amount of waste that you produce before. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh,
1: the, some of the things that you were saying about your, um, uh, about the, um, working with businesses and finding places where, and I would encourage anybody, if you, anybody finds a wonderful recycler or a, a compostable, uh, carton that holds, um, cottage cheese, let Aaron know. Please. Uh, <laughs> I miss know, it. <laughs> we, we've been, we've been turned on to, I can't, one of you, I think mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but a, um. You know so much like toilet paper comes with just in plastic and plastic yes. and plastic and plastic and, and there are now or no i guess it was trish barong that was telling me that you can sign people up for a a, um, a service that delivers it to your house in a recyclable container or a compostable com- container um and and gets rid of all of that so there's various ways that i think we can yes. have the same product and still uh, you know support the our businesses uh, but also be good to the earth and and just kind of like this coronavirus has taught us, um, there are ways that we can connect and there's ways that we can, it might not be comfortable for a while. And, and again, this is not ideal, but, you know, change is is tough, but we can find new ways, um, to eat. We can find new ways to, to shop and we can find new ways to package, uh, that, that don't take away from our, our need to, to, to fill our bodies and and also to take care for the earth at the same time. So we'll, we'll get there, but we just need to know it's going to be, it's going to cause us to, to have to maybe do it out for a little bit, stretch ourselves a little bit, but that's, that's okay. All good things take a little bit of work. Um, any, any final thoughts from, from, from you, Aaron, before we, we sign off.
2: Um, Oh yeah, so every week, there's a variety of um, composting opportunities here in the Kansas City area, which is in that resource list that's on the website. Um, A lot of them will collect for you and and pick it up, they'll give you a container, and they'll take care of that for you for a a monthly fee. Um, I know a couple of people that actually own those projects, so if you have questions, let me know, I can connect you with them. There's also a free place that I take. We take our stuff to. Um, it's called Herbivore Farm. It's uh, maybe two, three miles from uh, Second. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the area would be called, but it's it's listed there as as well. So there's there's a variety of things that are out there. Like you said, there are, are different ways. We all have different ideas. Um, please share. That's the best way we learn because new things pop up too. Probably one of the biggest things that I learned for a a final takeaway is that, kind of tying into your last question, that all recycling is not created equal, not all plastic is created equal. Just because it has a recycling symbol on it doesn't mean it's actually recyclable. Um, So be informed. Um, There's an app that's on the resource list too. That's probably about the best way to kind of summarize all this it's called the iRecycle app and again it's listed on there on the resource list if you ever have a question about what can be recycled or where based on your zip code where it can be recycled if it's accepted in your curbside recycling or not um, that app will help you and so as you are a consumer it can help you make informed decisions because that's really what it's it's all about here
1: great great Thank you so much, Aaron. As uh, as we mentioned, this next uh, this next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And so we're going to kind of conclude this series and talking about um, creation and our interaction with creation and what we can learn from it in ways that we need to repent in this Lenten season. Uh, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem and people were waving palms, we're going to be talking about trees and, and plants and what we can learn from the branches that are always kind of extending their hands to, to worship God. And, and uh, so we'll be talking to hopefully we'll have a farmer and we'll be talking to sustainable ways that we could plant and what we can learn from from our from the green all around us um and as you go from uh this place today uh, wherever you are i'd encourage you it's going to be a beautiful day i think high is 66 and sunny what a gift um if you can get outside i would encourage you to take a to take a quick walk and and um if you weren't at the beginning of this i told a story about my dad um my sermon who, who would um discern whether we had fevers by kissing our forehead when we were little kids and, uh, and could tell whether we were a little bit warm or not. And, uh, and I've been thinking about that and how when I, uh, when I go on a walk and I notice um, squirrels or I notice the, the magnolia trees that are blooming, uh, there's a way for me to, with my thankfulness, kind of kiss the earth and to be grateful for this amazing gift of creation, but also to think about ways that I can be a part of, of healing her as well. So thanks again, Aaron. Be inspired, everybody. Go in peace.